Hi, everybody, and welcome back to our new show. It's the Slide Rule Press Show. So it's our weekly football show about what's going on in the news of football today, from everything from player speculation, management seconds, pre-season madness, and, uh, and everything that goes with the world of football. I'm your host, Chris, and I'm joined, as always, by Mark. Uh, even even those pre-season, Mark, we've got quite a bit to chew over tonight, mate, haven't we? Absolutely, right? There's um, there's Transfers have been sort of slow going so far, but there's plenty of rumours. Um and, and plenty of other things to be to be talking about. There is certainly, and uh, we're going to kick it off in a minute or two with the madness that is Newcastle United and everything <laughs> that's going on there, mate. So without further ado, roll those credits, mate. Let's get stuck in. Okay, so we're going to kick off the first episode of Slide Rule Press with quite possibly one of the worst things next to Brexit and COVID that I've heard over the last 18 months. It's the Newcastle United takeover and generally the state of Newcastle United. Now, if you haven't been living under a rock for the past 18 months, let's just enlighten you as to how this complete soap opera has played out. Mark, you've got a fantastic slide. And for those listening on the audio, I'm going to narrate this absolute shower of shit for you so you know exactly what we're looking at. So, Mark, you pick it up for us. So, kicking off in January... There was the reported news, the Christmas it came early for us Newcastle fans that the Saudi Arabian sovereign wealth, uh, uh, along with Amanda Stavely and the Rubin brothers, uh, money, 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 were interested in buying Newcastle. As Newcastle fans, you know, we thought it was too good to be true, but it turned out not to be the case. So in April 2020, PCP partners had agreed a deal for, with Mike Ashley, the parasite, for 300 million quid. So it was a little bit less than the ridiculous 340 million he was looking for, but the deal was on. They wanted to buy the club. You know, there was memes going around and, and grids going around, pictures of giant sharks eating Manchester City style tiny sharks, because uh, Newcastle United were very excited about being the richest club in the world. And uh, shortly after that, PCP paid a deposit to Mike Ashley. So this was on. It looked like the real deal. But this is where the first roadblock kind of kicked off, mate, wasn't it? Um, BN Sports pipped up kind of towards the back end of April. Just just tell me a little bit about that, mate. They were kicking off big style, weren't they? So, yeah, I mean, it all boiled down to um, streaming or legal streaming um, that they they felt was um, that the Saudis were heavily involved in, or they weren't combating, they were allowing... Um, illegal streaming sites to be basically to to have their their product. Um, it obviously cost them a, an absolute well, they would say an absolute fortune in lost revenues, um, and that became one of the the many sticking points that that came up from the from the proposed purchase because there were there were others as well. There were obviously issues with um, links to, to human rights um violations and, and yeah. things like that so but that the that was one that i think struck struck home again more than more than others because it came down to money um it didn't yeah. come down to, to to a moral side of things it didn't come down to um what sounds good it, it came down to the fact that somebody somewhere was going to lose out you know yeah. big time financially if if something like this happened where you know being sports would suffer therefore the product that they were buying 
um, or, or the amount that they would pay the Premier League for for rights would would then suffer, and so that was that was where that that sort of um, kicked kicked off, um, and we moved into to May, and obviously there was there was links shown between the uh, members of the Cook Consortium and the the illegal TV streams as well. So it kind of doubled down the next month with with that. Um, <laughs> And then that that carried on through through June as well. So you had um, a World Trade Organization report again linking um, prominent Saudi nationals to illegal streaming. Um, that then threw in doubts about members of the consortium passing the, the owner and director test. So it was it was on rocky ground. And like I say, there were there were plenty of issues surrounding. Um, surrounding human rights and, and there was sort of a split camp there of, of people who who wanted to take over and regardless and those that were really hesitant over it because of uh, of issues with with human rights in saudi arabia so that was that kind of well, there was split camp beforehand but this just highlighted you know more of more of the same it did it did i mean it's an interesting one we, we haven't put it on the grid but we're going to get into it in a minute which is when we come off the slide um there, there was reported links and stories and rumors and everything else about the top six um you know apparently uh, you know procrastinating against this takeover because they didn't want you know a major rich power coming into the, the premier league potentially buying all the best players you know doing what manchester city basically did a few years ago really but uh, j just getting back into that slime mate, if you just pull it back up then we'll, we'll, we'll kind of finish off the <laughs> the sort of tail of the takeover so so going into june um again the saudi arabian um you know nationals they, they announced that they were going to crack down the legal streaming sites trying to kind of you know pacify the the kickoff from bn sports it didn't really seem to do the job um then in July, the dreaded the dreaded news that only Castle fans didn't want to hear that the PIF, PCP, and the Ruben brothers uh, withdrew um, from the process of, of you know with the Premier League. Um, you know the Premier League offered arbitration, but it was rejected. Um, and then kind of moving into September 2020, um, Newcastle United, Mike Ashley uh, as well, obviously very annoyed that he wasn't getting his mega money so he could run for the hills. Um, back to Hookie Street, where the hell he comes from. Um, Newcastle United issued arbitration proceedings uh, in September, and then kind of moving down to March, um, Newcastle failed in a bid to have the um, the, the chair removed uh, from the arbitration, which was it was a chap called uh, Michael Belloff, uh, who uh, nobody for people who don't know that um, we actually have a, a good source, uh, Youssef. Big shout out to him, right for True Faith, who's a solicitor by trade. And uh, this chap, Michael Belloff, is one of the, the most renowned, respected solicitors in his field. And he's done numerous um, sporting legislative um, proceedings right across, you know, you name it, from any kind of sport possible. So Newcastle felt that there was a, a conflict of interest here because this guy had done business or done done deals or represented the Premier League um, previously. <laughs> but it was a good chance he would have done because of how high standing he was in his field. So moving into May... Um, St. James's Holden's limited claim for compensation under the Compensation Act in 1998, which again was Mike Ashley all about getting his money really um, <laughs> with the takeover fell over. And then into July, there was a delay to arbitration, which has really set something off again, which we're going to come on to in a second. And just finishing it off, moving into September this year, um, with a due for the, the, the Competition Appeals Tribunal, the CAT hearing again, which is just really about Mike Ashley 
line his pocket so that's us done with that sordid slide of, of a tail mate so we're just going to try and pick through the bones of that but if i can just kick off for a minute if you indulge us mate so the problem with this takeover when it first came out it was music to newcastle fans there's even the neutrals like yourself who are newcastle fans but you obviously appreciate the club you know you live here you've watched it all your life you know this this really seemed like this could get newcastle united back to where it belonged the newcastle united we remember watching when we were kids going for the title beating man united all that kind of stuff and it's gone from being this really positive um amazing thing to becoming the most divisive you know uh, you know horrendous tragic thing i've ever seen happen to a football club so just just looking at two different sides here the camp so the fan base, which is what Newcastle United is really renowned for right across the world, really. You, you talk to anybody, it's the Toon Army, it's the unity, it's the, the show in the droves, everything else. They, they can disagree, of course, but, you know, they're Geordies, they're mad for it, they love it, all that kind of stuff. <clears throat> what this takeover has done is, is put a knife right down the middle of this fan base. And it's almost split into two sections, which I would almost liken it to the Matrix. You know, some of them have taken the red pill. And the adamant this takeover is going to happen. And if this doesn't happen, then you're you're an idiot. You know, you don't belong here. You shouldn't be a Newcastle fan. You're a Mackham. You know, and then you have other people who have taken the blue pill. You know, people like Youssef, who, you know, is is, is wrote a great few articles for a true faith. You know, we'll put a link below in the comments. Check it out, guys, if you haven't already. Some fantastic pieces. And he's wrote it from a, a well-balanced, you know, sense of understanding from a professional point of view as well. And, you know, the red pill side have completely attacked them for it, mate. We you know which is just completely mental, you know. So this takeover has become absolutely toxic to this to this club, and the club itself is falling to pieces behind the scenes, which I'm going to get to in a minute, mate. But just to bring you in, how sad is this to see what's happened to Newcastle United's fan base on the back of this, mate? It's it, it's bizarre, and you know you always have have fan bases that won't, you know, they'll not agree. Um, about things, they'll not agree on signatures. They'll not agree on managers. But you, you kind of got the feeling that this was something to bring everybody in. You know, Newcastle. Yes, they haven't been very successful recently. They're still a big club. Um, yes, I'll, I'll, there'll be arguments against that because of the fact they've not won anything for so long. But they're a big club historically. You know, they've, they've won plenty. You've got to go back plenty of years to find it but they still have they have a fantastic stadium they have a brilliant fan base you know that that place is pretty much full every week um you have to go some some way to find that 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 type of fan base in that number um but it just you sit back as a as a neutral and you watch some of the conversations that have gone on over over recent weeks between members of of different I love to use the word factions because I don't believe that I think it's just you know but that's the best way I can describe it and you're right in that it's that that red pill blue pill thing and, and one will never agree with the other and it, it doesn't look like there's any way to kind of bring them all together and just say do you know what just shut up and just support the club. It's it's so frustrating to watch because it should have been an amazing deal. It should have been Mike Ashley's out. It's something that Newcastle fans have wanted for God knows how many years. Um, and it's it's not only failed, but it's also seemed to have 
have just driven that knife in deeper um, and just made things worse than they, they really ever have been. And you, for me, I want it to, to come back. I want this to, to go forward because I, I think, you know, it, it will be a good thing for, for the club. It'll be a great thing for, for the area. Um, obviously, as part of it, they were talking about investment into the into the local area. There'd obviously be investment in the training facilities and all that things. That, that brings brings money into the area, brings jobs, it, all that. Stuff. And it's no secret that the area... In, in in fast area, or a fast majority of places, you know, it's, it's pretty deprived parts of it. So, if you can bring some more money into the area, that's that's brilliant. But you look at it now, and, and you think, you know, it's a, it's a while since they walked away. You know, we're we're heading on now a year since since the party sort of walked off, and they, yes, they've said they will come back if if it was it was agreed, but it. At what point do you have to just start to move on and just get on with the business of supporting your club? Mm. Start keep fighting over the, your manager because you know that's always going to be a, a, a touchy subject for for them all. Um, I'll get to him in think, a minute. Don't worry. Well, yeah, exactly. So, but and, there, and there's something I think a lot can agree on. Um, you know, just throw your weight behind the behind the club. Not behind actually, not behind the takeover, not behind anything that. Just throw your weight behind the club, um, throw your support behind them, and, and just get on with the business of supporting your football club. And I know that's easy for me to say, and I, I, I think I've rambled a little bit there, but it just it is frustrating to see a fan base just get at each other the way that they have, and there's just really no need for it. It is. It's. It, you know, I, I wrote a piece of the blog, I think, as well, didn't I, the, uh, the other week there, just about, you know, the, this draws really bad attention to Newcastle United as a club. I mean, you know, they, these guys haven't agreed to do anything yet, really. They, they paid this deposit to Mike Ashley, as, as we said in the timeline there, but the, the deal hasn't been pushed through. So even if the arbitration is a success, they still have to decide to push on with the deal. You know, and, and if you're looking at a club there that has a, a fan base killing each other, abusing each other left, right and centre, having a really bad reputation and then not to mention potentially in threat of relegation or nearest damn it relegated, you know, these guys might not want to come back and pay 300 million quid for this club, you no. know, because it'll wipe a massive chunk off off the, the sell price. So it's, it's almost like Mike Ashley has, you know, found a buyer for his house, you know, that he's, they've, they've exchanged on, on a handshake and agreement and they paid a deposit down. But for whatever reason, the sale hasn't gone through. So the buyer and him are still waiting for this deal to go through, and there's a massive hole in the roof, pissing through with rain. And Mike Ash is going, "Oh, screw it! I'll just leave it for the owners to fix when they get here." And it's it's, it's not going to work. So going onto that hole in this roof that's pissing through, let's look at Newcastle United as they are now. Forget about you know the magical world of the of the red pill and you know Pochettino as manager and and Bappe and Haaland up front. Park that for a minute. You know what we have right now is we have a team that's grossly, grossly under-prepared, under-invested and undermanned for a Premier League season where they were lucky to stay up last season. They've got even less players now. Andy Carroll's gone. Granted, you know, my one-legged cat would be a better striker than Andy Carroll, you know, but he he was a body, you know, he was a man. He could come, he, he, he could fill a spot, he could do a job, whatever that job may be, he could do it. So he's gone. They haven't replaced him. 
Steve Bruce, the wonderful Bruce Ball that we love so much, Mark, was quoted in saying that we have adequate cover. And he then quoted Tom Allen, Miggy Almiron, Joe Linton, um, Callum Wilson and, and, and Dwight Gale. Now, Dwight Gale couldn't hit water if he fell off a boat, really, at the moment. Wilson's the only good centre forward there. Tom Allen's a young lad. And Joe Linton, he's, he's, he said time and time again, isn't the centre forward when he's getting dogs abuse. So that's a major problem there. They've got rid of Florian Lejeune because he doesn't like a ball playing centre-half. So we don't know what's going to happen there. We're throwing all the chips on Joe Willett coming in. That doesn't look like it's 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 guaranteed either. And to throw it all in there just before I bring you in, mate, we've, we've lost against York City. We've beat Doncaster, the mighty Doncaster, 3-2. So we've, pretty, we've made it out of that as well. And we drew with the mighty Rotherham the other night. So... We're not exactly in good shape, mate. Oh, we're going into a Premier League season this, here. This, this sounds like a league, a league one season, doesn't it? But <laughs> no, I, I think I, I, I take pre-season results with it with a pinch of salt. They're, they yeah, are true. pretty meanless. At the end of the day, you make a lot of changes. You make a lot of substitutions. You play a lot of young players. Um, I always find it interesting going through the pre-season stuff and just seeing how many um, players named trialists that, are, that play at this mm-hmm. time of year. Um so yeah, I, I I don't really think that the, a defeat to York or or, or Rotherham or, or anybody means an awful lot. I think we got Villa got beat off of Walsall last season, the season before we got stuffed. Um, so yeah, it, it's all mainly about fitness. It's about yeah. bringing in some of the, the other players. If, if you're going to use youngsters, it's a great time to start bringing them into the, the squad as well. So um, don't get too 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 upset about those. I think the biggest problem is is the transfer market. And yeah. and as Bruce said, that you know he's they're waiting for the for the big teams to 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 move um, so that they can then effectively. It sort of goes. They want to move, so Newcastle can pick up the scraps afterwards. Um, you know the, the the talks about only using the loan market. Um, so you know bringing Willock back in on loan, yes, would be a fantastic move. See, there's been reports about him being linked with Monaco as a permanent move, which I think w- would probably. I, I think a, a season or two in France, number of goals he'll score there. Double his transfer, probably as well. Yeah, double his transfer value um, potentially, um, and and then you're looking at players like Ross Barkley. Um, again, it'll be be alone. I, I don't see them see that that reported transfer budget of 10, 10 million is isn't going to buy you anything. What's that going to? Um, yes, you've saved quite a bit in wage in the wage budget so in theory you could go out and use the the free transfers or, or the low market to bring in higher caliber players there um but again there are there are players that have, have moved on freeze already that you think well they could have come in and done a job um townsend yes he's not um a phenomenal premier league player anymore he's but he's a he's a body he would do a solid job i think that's what he'll do for everton Yep. that's a type of player that Newcastle could have gone for. Um, they've got the, the ability with the with wages to be able to do that. It wasn't going to cost them anything in a transfer fee and it would have given them another option. Um, so 
they're leaving it very late. Um, and if if they do miss out on Willock, then I, I think they'll be. I think it just makes the the atmosphere around the club much worse because I think an awful lot of people have, have sort of pinned their hopes on him coming back. And I, and yeah. I think he, he'd like to, but if it doesn't happen, then it's oh, it's not the end, but it's it's, it's going to make things really toxic in, in, in and around the club um, because the fans aren't going to stand for it again. It, it seems ridiculous that, that Ashley, and we all know how much money he's worth, is is not prepared to allow his sides to compete, um, and they're not competing on a on a level playing field with with the three promoted clubs that have come up. Um, you know, Brentford. Well, Brentford signed signed a thirteen million pound defender from Celtic that we were supposed to be after. You know, it's, well, many had said that, that that was a done deal. Uh, you yeah, know, the yeah, I thought it was coming into the, the you know. I was coming into Newcastle. That the the deal was was pretty much signed. He wanted to come, and as usual, nothing happens, and he and the play goes elsewhere. So, so it's, it's interesting you talk about the toxicity. So I think it was Rotherham. Um, this shows you how little Newcastle fans think of Steve Bruce. That the fans were recorded chanting, "You're just a shit, Steve McLaren." <laughs> now that, that that's quite funny. That is quite funny. Oh, on Steve McLaren, really. <laughs> but also incredibly tragic because Steve McLaren had one of the worst records like I've ever seen as a Newcastle manager, and he, he was he was left in a job way too long. And weirdly enough, Bruce last season there was comparisons drawn to to the McLaren yeah. relegation season. You know, quite quite many times. You know, through the course of the season, but. You know, Ashley's not going to sack him. That's clear. But for me, the biggest problem for Steve Bruce, even outside of the transfer budget and the, the, or the lack of squad depth, is the fans returning. Because although Mike Ashley has no intention to sack him, he may possibly be forced to do so because there's still 10,000 unsold season tickets, which is unheard of at Newcastle United, isn't it, mate? Over the years, we've, you know, we've known about the club, watched the club, been fans and, you know, you know, neutrals watching along. So that is that is unbelievable when you think about Newcastle United. You know, the, it's religion for Newcastle United fans, Newcastle, go watching a game. I remember, you know, it's somebody that I used to, uh, <clears throat> I used to talk to quite regularly. I said to him when Keegan fell out with the guys years ago, you know, when Ashley shafted Keegan, and I said, are you going to throw it in the bin? And he said, what am I going to do? Go to Ikea every Saturday with a wife. <laughs> now, which was quite funny. But when you think about it, these guys are throwing them in the bin. They're not coming back. They're not interested. No. They, they, you know, the, the fans of tomorrow, which I wrote in the piece for the blog, you know, why would they want to support this toxic club? You've got the fan base ripping each other apart. You've got this manager coming out saying things like he does, you know, just defeatist. You know, it's such a far cry from the Keegan era that we we watched when we were kids. It, it's really, really tragic, and, and I really fear for Newcastle. But going back to my point on Bruce, if we start bad against West Ham in the next couple of games, and it could quite easily happen, he could be yeah. in real trouble, mate. He could be in real trouble. I, th- I think he has to be already. Uh, yes, they finished the season fairly well. Um, I think they were helped, obviously, by others. But they finished 12th. I don't think any of us thought that, w- that was going to happen. Um, but he he has to start well. If they're sitting at the bottom or in that bottom three after the first three, four, five games, the atmosphere at St James's Park now fans are going to be allowed back in is going to be horrible. 
mm. um, he will not get the the holiday that he's had over the last eighteen months when he, you know fans haven't been there, and he's effectively been allowed to get away with it because he hasn't. You're not going to have them on the, on the back constantly. If, if this doesn't start well, then Newcastle fans they're not going to sit quietly. We've seen that already um, this week. Um, you know, it's gonna it's gonna become more and more toxic. Not not between each other. This time, it's gonna be all yeah. aimed at Ashley and the manager, and 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 that will that will have to force Ashley's hand um, because you can't allow that to get, and, and it, that's gonna affect him. Um, and we said that last season. He, he had, really he should have acted sooner. Um, you know, it's gonna affect. The amount of money that the club is worth if they go down again um especially with the number of players that would then possibly walk away and they're just not good enough um even at even at championship level i don't think some of them will be good enough you'll lose the bigger names um quite quickly again this this time around um so that, that'll make life very difficult Prospective new owners are going to want to come in and spend 300, 340, 50 million. Not a chance. Not, a chance. Um, not, a chance. not when they're having to, to rebuild an entire squad, new manager, yep. um, then sort of build up the rest of things that we talked about before. It's not going to happen. So he has to do something now to help Newcastle compete this season, just keep them out of that relegation zone. It's, it goes back to that horrible thing of just getting by. If they can get by, and that's it's awful because it shouldn't be a club that is just getting by. No. Um, they're not a West Brom. They're not. They're not a, a yo-yo club. Um, they're not a Norwich that have been up and down and up and down. Um, but they should be doing better. Um, and it and it comes down to really to, it comes down to those two. Um, so yeah, I think. Three, four games in, it, it may be the end for, for Bruce and, and, and Ashley will have to act. No, I think you're totally right. And, and strangely enough, in terms of the fans, as you rightly say, you know, to, to stop us turning on each other as fans, the football probably will help bring us back together on the same page. And, uh, you know, in terms of Steve Bruce, if he thinks he's seen hysteria, he has seen nothing yet, as you rightly say. You you wait until West Ham at home. If we turn in performances like we, we have done under him, and we get turned over and tanked, which we could quite easily do against West Ham on that opening day, he is going to be in that pressure cooker big time, and the heat will be turned firmly up. So I've depressed myself enough on Newcastle United, mate. We're going to move on to the, uh, the next subject that we're going to discuss. So it, it's actually a more positive note, mate, moving on to this. So, so... For a long time now, there's, there has been a real, I've been a real worry and a real, you know, threat and scare over head injuries in the game. You know, we've seen some horrific ones over the years. You know, from a goalkeeper perspective, you can appreciate the Peter Cech one, you know, years ago. You know, and then most recently we had Ryan Mason, you know, tragically had to retire. And then Raul Jimenez, um, you know, I think last season that was was just awful. Um, and it's been on discussion points for a long, long time, and not just the injuries, the actual after effects of, of, of head injuries and heading the ball for so many years. And the Premier League have now, or English football, has now introduced heading guidance um, going across all levels of, the, of, of football. But I'm, I'm just going to touch upon the, the professional clubs, just and then we can get stuck into this, mate. So 
as it goes, the professional clubs will be directed to limit high force headers um, following from long passes of over 35 metres or from crosses and free kicks to 10 per training week, uh, while also developing specific player profiles, which will help tailor their training needs. So that might refer to people like Jimenez and people who've had previous injuries, mate. So so just go over to you on this one. This can only be a good thing, surely, can't it? I, I think so. I, it's, it's a difficult one because from what it reads, it, it is guidance hmm. um, and recommendations that are certainly at the higher level that, that players aren't doing more than a maximum of 10 high-impact headers. It's not a limit. It's not a. It's not a rule. It's it's guidance and it's a recommendation. So we'll see how it. Not policed, but see how it's monitored. I think is the is the best way to, to put it. And, and is is this something that that will happen um, properly? I think I think it can only be a good thing. We've we've seen the. You know the. The fight that um, Jeff Astle's family um, uh, uh, sort of have had with uh, you know, f- you know, with with his illness, and it's the same, it comes down to the same problem that they've, they've really had in in the NFL with um, CTE, um, obviously with repeated head um, head impacts. Um, yes, the balls are getting lighter um, or are lighter than they they ever have been, but you know you're going in for for big headers, you know, set pieces, clashes of heads together at corners and, and uh, um, at free kicks and things like that. You, you've got the to... Speed, the speed as yeah. well, the ball comes in there, you know, the, the technique and the strength Absolutely. of people. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the, the technique of, of striking a ball these days is, is totally different to the way that it that it was. Um So, it, yes, it, it, should be, it should be a good thing. It'd be interesting to see just how it works at the higher levels i think obviously the the rules for for obviously grassroots um is is another thing um entirely so we've i think we saw that um heading is banned already for for under 12s um that yeah. happened already earlier this year and i think that's a good thing as well obviously kids are they're all the, the developing so you need to to prevent as much of that potential problem as, as you can. Um, and then that will build through the age groups at, at, at the higher level. Yeah, I think it, it has to be a good thing because it, you, with everything, you, you look at welfare of, of players um, and you, we have to, with everybody, you've got to look after them. You can't. You can't hide your head in the sand and just think there isn't a problem. That there's obviously a problem. With there's plenty of uh, of incidents of it, and you know that amount of repeated impact to your head oh, yeah. cannot be a good thing. Um, you know, you catch a you catch a header wrong, it bloody hurts, doesn't it? You know, and yeah. it, <laughs> but and 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 those probably aren't aren't doing. That that ones like that probably don't do too much. It's the it's the repeated ones, the constant heading the ball away from long balls. It's defenders put in an awful lot of of work on their heading ability and the distance that they get into those headers as well. Oh god, that's that's a that's a hell of an impact and on on your 
on your head and your brain. So yeah, it's it's a good thing. Um, it's one of the the more positive things I think that's come out. Be interesting as well to see. I think you mentioned it before we came on as well. Just the impact it'll have on um, have on set pieces and and how they're defended and how they're attacked. Because if they're not able to work on them as much, we might see a yeah. change in in the style of of, um, of set pieces. A lot more short corners, balls to the edge of the box, that sort of thing. So. I think we'll also see an increase in manager excuses when headers are scored <laughs> from set pieces as well. Just, you know, just not to be skeptical about it. I think it's a wonderful thing. I think it's anything that protects the safety of a human being, you know, is 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 paramount really. And I, I think it's a fantastic thing to do. But you know what these managers are like, and you know what these these teams are like. You know, if if Liverpool, just to pull them out as an example, sorry Liverpool fans, don't don't give me any abuse in the comments below. But if Liverpool start conceding loads of goals from corners. Set pieces, Jurgen Klopp will kick off that he can't work on too many headers, he can't work on defensive shape. You know what's going to happen, don't you? But again, I mean, it draw comparisons with the NFL a little bit. The NFL limited tackling um, mm. practice, so the amount of, of, of times you could do full on um, tackling in, in your practices each week. Now, for me, that I'm watching it, you it. It removed some of the the quality of, of tackling because you couldn't practice it as much. So you saw an increase in missed tackles. You saw um, the lack of ability in, in sort of wrapping up in tackles as well. Um, and likewise, we may see that there'll be a lack of quality of heading, a lack of um, being able to read the ball in the air as well. Um, because if you're not in that scenario, yeah. You know, twenty times a session. Does that mean you you lose the ability to to read those balls over the top a little bit more, or do you start to see plays defend a little bit deeper as a result um, because they're having to wait for the ball to drop further down to control it? Um, it's yeah, it'd be like I say, it'd be interesting to see how this affects um, certain areas of the game. And uh, yeah, I think we're we're, we're we're right on for a few a few uh, managers coming out with the with the um, the excuses of oh well we weren't able to train on it so that's why it's happening. Yeah. Absolutely, but I, I think as you rightly said as well before we came on, mate, that um, the positive should be that you get the ball on the deck more, you play football more, you move through the lines. There won't be as many of these silly long balls to people's heads. I mean, you know, look, look at my team, for example. You know, obviously Andy Carroll's just been released. He might as well retire now because he's fucked, really, isn't he? He can't do anything but head the ball, so he'd be in big trouble. You know, John Joe Shelby, all he ever does is try and hit 35-metre balls. So, you know what I mean? It's It, it might change people's games up a bit and, and work on the technical side. And if that's what it does and, it's you know, it saves people's you know, careers and the health and everything else in their lives, potentially, you know, then, then, then brilliant, mate. But but as everything with English football and these rule changes, you've got to have a little level of scepticism, you know, after back of VAR and stuff like that. You know, we, we've got to kind of wait and see, as you rightly say, how is it going to be monitored? How is it going to be policed? You know, and, and, and what's going to be the outcome? But uh, we're in favour of it, mate, aren't we? So moving on to uh, our next section, we're going to have a little peek through the transfer window. So it's that time of the year, mate, isn't it? Closed season, just after a major tournament. It's always a bit quiet and things start to ramp up a little bit. And there's, there's been a couple of big transfers, some of them done, some of them not quite done yet, mate. You want to take us through some of them? So, yeah, I mean, it, it has been it has been a little bit quiet on the transfer front. We haven't had many big moves yet. Um 
you've obviously got lots of rumours going around the obvious ones in in um, in Haaland and Kane and Grealish that continue to to do the rounds in the, in the press. Um, none of which have, are anywhere near any sort of resolution. Um, but then you've got obviously you Sancho, um, who we covered in our our first um, stat pack um, episodes. Um, his his deal to United, uh, Manchester United, has is obviously been completed. Um, you've got um, United as well. Have have now got um, a deal with Madrid agreed for for Rafael Varane um, to come Great in sign and, and play. Great sign. That is phenomenal. And was it thirty four million? I think is a, is a snip. Um, that shows you how fucking it, Madrid really are money wise. Well, it, this this is it. You know, when you look at those two um, in particular in in Spain, Barcelona and um, and Madrid, they're if they're having to to sell these players at that sort of level, mm. they're in trouble. Um, Big time. And, and obviously Barcelona not being able to to sign, put players on their their squad until they've until they've been able to to, to sell others. Just tells you what a mess they're in. Um, it's no wonder they wanted that was, Super League to kick off, isn't it? That's, that's what they wanted—just pure, oh, absolutely, bits of money to pull them out of the shit that they're in. That's what it was. Absolutely right. Um, sticking um, with ones that are not yet done. You've obviously got Ben White um, mm. transfer to to Arsenal that looks to be pretty much done. They're waiting for the. I think it's tomorrow that his his medical is due to be done. Yeah. So that looks like it's um, it's just about about over the line. Um, Arsenal have already brought in um, Nuno Tavares and um, Luc- Albert Lukongo. Um, I'm glad, I'm glad well. you tried. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they 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 look to be sort of looking to improve their squad, but mm. you know they've they've had a few go out or. Or potentially on their way. Obviously, Jacka linked uh, with going and going to to Roma. Um, uh, I think um, Saliba and, and Guendouzi have gone to Marseille on loan, um, and they they've released um, David Luiz, which is uh, they'll not miss him. Um, so they look reasonably busy. Liverpool Smith, Smith Rowe as well, mind you, just to point out Smith Rowe that tied him down because he was getting linked to Villa, mate, wasn't he, for quite a while? Smith Rowe. It was. It's funny one. I, I genuinely didn't think that we would ever have a chance to sign him. I think it was just. I almost think that we were kind of being used as a as a bargaining chip. But Happens, if they yeah. smell if they smell blood in the water and thought, well, if there's a bit of a contract situation here, if we can get him in, then great. Um, so you know you. You kind of applaud Villa for just go having the balls to, to go and try. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's a that's a big a, a big signing uh, of a new contract for him and a new number ten shirt as well for him. So he's really stepping up the young lad, isn't he? He's taking that responsibility on as well. So I think I think he showed last season that he, he he's got the ability to you know to play regularly he's, he's good enough to play in the Premier League he's good enough to play at that level as well so Absolutely. you know it's it's a big future ahead for him um see the other of the the big six well you know the the, the Super League contenders um see Liverpool haven't really started um mm. City haven't 
haven't brought anybody in. I, I think was it, they, they signed Scott Carson um, <laughs> is one of their, their um, homegrown players. They always seem to do this with it with an older goalkeeper that they'll bring in as a, as a homegrown. Part, part of the help the aged campaign of saying yeah, eight, eighty-two nice year old Scott Carson. <laughs> Absolutely, it's nice of Pep to, to help out the older guys. Mm. You know what I mean? It's. Um, I, I heard that's the advert. Put some pep in your step, old age pensioners. <laughs> for Man City. That's what I heard the campaign was. Um, but yeah, obviously Chelsea haven't brought anybody in um, yet. They've let quite a few go. Obviously Giroud's gone yeah. and Tomori's gone as well, both to to Milan. Um, of those top sort of teams, really, Leicester are one who've brought in a, a couple of new new faces in um, Pat and Daka from from Salzburg. They've brought in Ryan Bertrand as well. Mm. Um, which solid free transfer, good, yeah. Good, solid, good solid signing for them. Um, well, Spurs, um, obviously, they've they've a few gone. Um, uh, Lamella's moved on and they've brought in Brian Hill from um, Sevilla. And my brain went blank there for a second. Um, <laughs> picking out random Spanish clubs, <laughs> honestly. Yeah, I'm just going for the list of La Liga coaches. So this one, this one. <laughs> Um, they've also brought in Gallini um, from Atalanta, who's ex-Villa um, goalkeeper, who I think didn't really get. He had he had a what a season with us, um, and and then was allowed to to go. He didn't really. He had flashes. He looked like he he would be a good goalkeeper. I think it's another one of those ones where we've got him at the wrong time. Um, we've maybe he's had him in the first team too early and not given him a chance to. Kind Goal, goalkeepers can be late bloomers, though, can't they? You know, like what you know, you sign a keeper be. a few years back, and you think, oh, he's, you know, he's not going to do anything. And then five, five or six years later, he's in the World Cup final, putting that world class yeah. save. And you think, oh, bloody hell! Yeah, I think the exception to the rule is Donna Rummer, obviously, who's who signed for, <laughs> for PSG. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, he's he still he still feels like a a band, doesn't he? And he does, he's, he's been around for, for yeah. I think he's been around for 20 years already. And mm. you know, I think he started for Milan when he was three. Um, it's yeah, I think he's the, he's the exception to that, that rule. But, um, and obviously Spurs have had, have seen all the virals um, go as well. So they've, yeah, you know, that's funny a, one that very strange. We were talking a little bit about that. I mean, you know, he's, he's, you know, elder, elder viral for me, you know, this is a guy who's getting linked to Manchester United a year year and a half ago um and he's gone over to qatar forgive me i can't remember the name of the of the team he's went to but um it, it stinks of a line your pockets type one last payday deal to me mate I, I think this is a player who still had two three seasons left at top european level what do you think it's it is it does strike me as strange um aldehyl 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 he just, he just went the same for team Sound like his name then, basically. Well, maybe, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Apologies if I butchered that um, that that name there. It's, um, but yeah, he's he's thirty. He's what thirty two. Should have a good couple of years left in him at that. Exactly. I wonder whether he just feels that he's not quite up to the standard at the, now, and mm, possibly. Maybe he's, and I can't. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and knock somebody and go and take an, a a payday. Um, if if you feel you've only got a year or two left, and go and go and earn as much money as you can for your family, so that you've got a you've got a comfortable future for everybody. I'm I'm never going to knock anybody for that. If a club is willing to pay you handsomely, take it. 
Um, it, it just does. It does seem strange, certainly for for a thirty two year old that is still performing pretty well. Um, but you know, I mean, we might we might see him back in a year's time at, at, at another European club. You know, he's had a year of a of a good putting money into his pension pot and and then come back for 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 some more European football. But it 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 does it does seem a little odd. But I can kind of understand it at the same time if. If the you know his feeling is that he's not quite at that level anymore, mm. it's funny because you, you you see players. I'm, I'm not putting Alder Wild in the same class as John Terry, but you see players like John Terry who almost hung on a bit too long in the Premier League. His legs started to go a bit. He was getting rinsed by players that he would have defended against in his sleep, you know, a season or two earlier. So potentially that's crossed his mind a bit, and he's thought, yeah, you know what, like you Absolutely. already say. Yeah, I've I've had a lot of good seasons at top level, you know, being in PFA teams of the year, being linked to much bigger clubs, stayed at Spurs, stayed loyal, you know, played under what three or four different managers or whatever it was. He's played under, you know, and he's and he's moved on, you know, and, and you know, good luck to the guy, as you rightly say, mate. Who are we to judge anybody, you know, for taking a huge payday to see out your your days in the sun playing football in a you know, in a division that's potentially lower than the standard you've came from. So so with that said, if any billionaires want to sponsor the slide or pass blog, just leave it your details in the comments oh, below. God, yeah. Look, I'm not gonna I'm gonna turn down a payday, am I? So it's uh... we'll, be, we'll be sure to we'll be sure to hit you back. <laughs> just kind of touched on some of these signings, mate. We um you touched on it earlier, you know, if, if you ha- if you guys haven't listened yet to the or watch the stat pack show that we do, um it's it's a completely different show to the slide rule press. Basically, what we do is we we pick up a few different players and we kind of look at the stats and and see how they compare to each other. And with the transfers, we're going to be doing a lot more of these made on. And uh, some of those signings we just mentioned there are going to be in the next episode of the Stat Pack, guys. So if you like that kind of thing, you know, like the video, click subscribe, hit that notification bell. As soon as it pops up, you'll see it. If you guys listen on the audio, unfortunately, Stat Pack is only visual. So just jump on YouTube, check us out, and I'm sure you won't be disappointed with that one. Absolutely right. Um, yeah, I think we've, you know, like I said, we've already done we've done the one that we, we looked at, at at Sancho before the signing was was confirmed, um, and I think you're right. We're, we're going to do this one round where where we look another one another couple of players where they are they're not quite over the line yet with the transfers, but pretty much there. So I thought it was a good time to to get those ones done. Um, and yeah, I mean that's. Like I say, that we go back to the the transfer rumors and things. There are, I mean, there's a hundred thousand rumors. There's always somebody who's playing watching, or somebody's granny knows that somebody else is is coming in. Like we've, we've talked about ITKs, ITK. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, I think that those are the, the bulk of the, the main ones. I've forgotten Villas. Um, obviously, we we signed um, Buendia from. Um, from Ooh. Norwich for for thirty five million pounds, yeah, I think. Very good sign. That's a huge, huge um, um, sign, and I think it. If and even you know, the worry was with that 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 was going to be a sign where we saw Grealish leave. Yeah. Um, see, that's still rumored to to happen. There's there's huge links with with him in, in City, mm-hmm. um, along with along with Kane. Yeah. Um, so it could still happen, but you know it gives us it gives us some some fantastic attacking options if he if he, if Grealish does stay as well. Um, you know Villa also being linked with um, with Leon Bailey um, in the Bundesliga too. 
Um, so, and we've also brought in um, an old face in, in Ashley Young, who, who gives us a little bit of um, experience in the squad. So wing back, wing back position. I think it'll, it'll give you something. Well, mate. You know, we talked about Newcastle not having that kind of smart move before. Likes of Bertrand and Young would have been great signs. So. It's a it's a funny one because if you look at it and you think it doesn't quite fit the Dean Smith mould in, in the fact that he's mm. not a young player. You can't. You're not gonna. You're not going to make any money out of him. You're not going to. Um, you're not going to be able to build him in, 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 in something. But he comes in and he gives you the ability to to give you cover, both fullback positions. Um, he can play further forward still as well. You know, we might not quite have the legs that he had when he played for his first time round, but he's still he's still good in those areas. Good on good with a dead ball. Um, so he does give you options, um, and I think with with having released. The likes of Al Mahamadi and Neil Taylor, that he just gives you a little bit of, of cover at those positions um, immediately, um, and and you know he's he's played at the highest level. He's done well at the highest highest level, and and he's you know he's he's played in a in a very good Inter team. He played in a very good Manchester United team. So yeah, I think that that's a it's a it's an unusual one, but it's I think it's a good solid signing for us. Absolutely. And just a couple of players to, to finish on as well. Actually, Arsenal are really quite on the lips of a lot of people in this transfer window. So I don't know whether there's just, you know, been promises made to Arteta or something like that, but there's been some crazy names mentioned. You know, James Madison isn't going away mm -hmm. for some reason. You know, there seems to be a good link there. People are thinking he's mental. Why would he leave Leicester to go to Arsenal? He might be an Arsenal fan. I don't know. You know, let us know in the comments below. Norwich fans, you know, he started his career there. Let us know if he is an Arsenal fan. You know, and, and strangely, Jordan Henderson's another name that's been being linked, you know, and if if Arsenal managed to pull off those two signings, I mean, that that's a kind of throwback to the Wenger, you know, petite Vieira type style days, you know, when you've got experienced players who can win games for you, you know, and uh, they would be massive additions to the squad. They may be a little bit far-fetched, but there is somebody potentially who might be going out, which is uh, Alexander Lacazette. And the Arsenal fans, who are very passionate, very vocal, I've got a lot of time for Arsenal fans. I know they get a bit of stick, but, you know, I've got a lot of time for them. They really care about their club. You know, Arsenal fan TV gets a bit mocked, but to be fair, they do a really good job over there. You know, they're, they're right on the ball with it, the finger on the pulse, fair play to them. Um, and there's been a bit of a backlash on Tammy Abraham being linked, mate. I know you're a big fan of Tammy, and uh, you, you pulled up one of your brilliant stat comparison slides, which we are going to slip into the press show here, just to see how these two guys weigh up against each other, mate. So take us through it, and we'll, we'll run through the audio for the, the listeners. So, yeah, I think it's just there was a bit of a bit of backlash with it, with it with Tammy being linked and potentially with Lacazette leaving. Uh, yes, they, I think they are obviously different types of strikers. But we, And certainly if you look at last season alone, the, the sort of, you know, Lacazette scored 30 goals last season. I think he had a, a, a quite a good season. Um, certainly had a, a, a better season in, in terms of, uh, of number of goals than, than, than Tammy did. But I think when you you kind of boil it down, and it's nearly sort of half um, in terms of the number of goals, but it's nearly a number of, uh, half in terms of the number of minutes. Uh, you know, Abraham's minutes were really limited um, under Tuchel. You know, I think he, he thrived much more under um, under Frank Lampard beforehand. You look at the season before, um, so you look at nineteen twenty season. And, you know, 15 goals in, in 34 appearances is, 
is a decent return, um, especially really for your first season back in the Premier League. Yes, he'd had a, a sort of a full season, a few seasons before with, with Swansea, but and hadn't really pulled up any trees with that. I think he'd, he'd only got, was it maybe five goals or, or something that he scored before? So he'd had a fantastic season with, with, with Villa in the Championship and came back to, to Chelsea and, and quite rightly took his took his place as leading the line. And, you know, that, that goal return from was very good and you, you kind of wanted him to, to kick on. It was really limited in in sort of in, in his playing time. Um, Lacazette's two seasons, really similar number of games, um, similar minutes. Again, everything's sort of sort of similar touches. You're looking at um, thirty games, thirty one games, um, around about nineteen hundred minutes on the on the pitch. Um, seven hundred and eighty to seven hundred and sixty one touches across the season for, for Lacazette. 10 goals in 19-20, in 13 last season. He had a much better conversion rate last season, though. I think he was a a highlight for, for Arsenal last season. I think yeah. his, his goals to, to shots ratio was, was really good. Um, certainly, when you compare the, the two of them there, it, it was much better with um, his conversion rate being sort of 0.3. And Abraham being um, 0.19 um, based on goals against number of shots that they had. Um, but you look, you go back to the season before, and they were they were really similar sort of numbers. Um, you know, Tammy had a, a lot more shots. But I think you'd expect that um, he, he had 88 shots to to Lacazette's 53. But he plays more as your your as that number nine. He plays much more through the um, that higher higher striker through the middle, Lacazette will drop um, into that into that space a little bit more, especially playing in and around um, Aubameyang um, as well to to try and help um, with feeding goals to him too. But the conversion rates again there were, were really similar. It was 0.18 um, for for Lacazette and 0.17 for for Abraham. So they, you look at the rest of their stats in, in that they're, they're really similar again in terms of um, Games time he played um, four more games. He had around about four hundred more minutes, which would tie up with with four more games. Similar amount of touches in and around seven hundred and fifty. Um, but Tammy had more goals. He had a higher xG. Um, and they've met their the sort of xG um, sort of figures. It's not a it's not a stat I particularly hang a, a lot of weight on. Um, yeah. But it's a it's a good way to look at well this is how many goals that you know the field should have should have been and you can marry that up with how many goals they got and across the two seasons you look at Lacazette and he's he's been above his expected goal tally um, for each season. Um, Tammy was slightly above his for for nineteen twenty with 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 fifteen goals compared to fourteen point one um, expected goals. In 2020-2021 season, he had six compared to his next year of 6.4. So he's there or thereabouts. Lacazette is a little bit higher. Um, I think that's probably based on the, his quality of chances as well. Mm. Um, and maybe it's those around him. That, and Chelsea had a particularly good season the season before, I think, as well. Um, 
So uh, there's a long-winded way of saying I think Tammy would be a good signer for them. Um, if if that right. was, yeah. was an option, I, I do think he will give them goals. Um, mm. I think he would give them consistent goals as well. Uh, I do wonder why um, Abraham hasn't played as um, as many games last season for, for Tuchel. Um, I think it comes down to what he wants as his, his striker. Um, you know, he, he wants that hard worker. He wants the, the, the you know, the, the team over and who's going to pull wide. He's going to work in every area of the, the field for him. Um, whereas Tammy is very much your striker and he's not going to get too involved in, in other things. We saw that at Villa. He doesn't come back. Um, he's not going to get involved in that. But what he does do is he scores goals. Um, and, we, we, you know, you've had two seasons of that in championship level and in the Premier League, um, his he was still get you know he still got a, a few last season. I think given the chance he would score a lot more, um, and I think the Arsenal fans will look at back at, at kind of the pairing of Aubameyang and, and Lacazette and see what they had. Um, but age comes into it as well. Obviously Lacazette being. He's now thirty. Um, Tammy's still what twenty three, yeah. so he's got another seven years of uh, of progression there before he gets to to where Lacazette is. So he can go on and on and and do really good things, and I I think he will do um, somewhere. I'd love to have him back at the Villa. I think he would do. Yeah. I think you know. I think he would do very very well back back at Villa Park. I, it's a is a strange one for for Arsenal fans. I can kind of see why they they wouldn't want somebody coming from a rival club in that area. That that makes some sense. But a player of the caliber of of Tammy Abraham, I think, I think would be a damn good signing for them. Absolutely. I mean, you know, it's it's a hard reality for Arsenal fans to maybe come to terms with, but they're not a top four club anymore. You know, they've got to maybe accept the fact that this, these are the kind of players that they are going to have to look at. And, you know, maybe one day and hopefully one day soon they'll get back to that level where they can sign these big-name players, you know. But until then, you know, you can't really scoff too much at a 23-year-old lad who's, you know, banging in goals in the Premier League when he gets a chance. So, but we'll leave it on that note, mate. For now, we're going to shut the transfer window for this week's episode of the Slide World Press. And we'll be back again to discuss it next week, I'm sure. But uh, just finishing off on, on uh, some other stories. We're not going to um, talk about Wayne Rooney's Sleepy Hotel rendezvous. We're not going to talk <laughs> about Brian Giggs's court cases and stuff because we don't want to get sued no. mainly. So what we're going to do, and I'm just going to read this out and then I'm going to hand it over to you because this, I think, is comfortably... The what the fuck at the moment week, um, which if anyone listened to the show last season, we did uh, bring this in as a feature. So what the fuck at the moment week goes to none other than uh, Fabian Snake Delph as the full name as Aspatilla fans <laughs> call him. And uh, it's an Instagram post that he put up, which I will repeat. He said, it's now a conspiracy theory to believe that the immune system is capable of doing the job it was designed to do. So, Mark, as the resident Fabian Delph fan, I'm going to hand this over to you. What are your thoughts on that, mate? What was that line Mourinho used? If I speak, I'll get into trouble. No, it's... Um, uh, yeah. It's, yeah, so to add to to the fact that he is a bit of an idiot, he's now, uh, well, appears to be an anti-vaxxer as well. And uh, I just think, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm done with him. You know, having read a lot of the... Um, 
a lot of the posts about him um, online. Or, um, Arsenal, um, Everton fans, or they've had enough. Yeah, you know, for for a guy who spent much of his time at Everton on the treatment table, um, it's ir- ironic talking about um, about health, immune systems. Yeah, come on, man. I think I think if you played thirty odd games a season for the last couple of years for them, then you you know you can say pretty much what you want if you put that in. But yeah. you haven't played, and you've you spent a good chunk of time injured, mate. Just shut up. Um, yes, you can have your view. Um, if you want to have that view, that's great. But oh, I just, yeah, I've, I've not got an awful lot of time for the for the guy um, no. after what happened at Villa. Um, you know, to to start to to sign a contract and say this is my club and all that crap, and then leave two days or whatever it was later to yeah do one. I'm I'm done. No, I've I've I no time for him. Um, no. I didn't, I didn't think right. you would do me. I didn't think you would no, do me. So, yeah. uh, Everton fans, let us let us know what you think about Fabian Duff in the comments below. And Villa fans, can I please have a lot of snake emojis just rolling across <laughs> the comments, please? Because uh, every time Mark mentions Fabian Duff, he seems to slip and do a snake emoji every time he talks about him. So uh, I believe that is, is that is the official nickname of Villa Park, mate. But uh, So we've uh, come to the end of the, yeah. the first episode, mate, of the Slide Rule Press Show. So thanks for joining me, mate, talking some football. And rubbing through what's going on there in the in the in the news this week mate no it's been good um as always you know it's been it's always good to 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 talk about this game and i say there's there's probably a lot more that will come in over the next couple of weeks um before yeah. i mean god it's only it's two weeks now until the start of the championship season um that kicks off yeah. next weekend yeah. um it's yeah this has come around awfully quickly um and we're only a couple of weeks away from the premier league kicking off as well so um there's plenty to cram in in the next couple of weeks um i'm sure there will be plenty more transfers to go through and plenty more rumors and and all sorts and i'm sure there'll be more about newcastle that we'll talk about with you as well just oh, to, God. You know, if we have to, end, if we have to. End things with a smile for you man Oh, well, that's the end things with a smile. But yeah, if it's the kind of thing you like, guys, just remember to, you know, click like and uh, subscribe, hit the notification bell, and you'll be able to see whatever there's a slide roll press or a stat pack video jumping up on the channel. Uh, but for now, it's time for us to go. We're going to go make some tinfoil hats and send them down to Fabian so he's all prepared for the <laughs> end of the world. So thanks again for joining us in the slide roll press, guys, and we'll catch you next time. Cheers. Cheers now.